So my name is Randy, I'm associate pastor here, and our senior pastor, David, is with his family in St. Louis, as he assists with our general conference, which is worldwide consideration of our way forward here with our denomination in the Methodist Church. So we wish David uh, well, and hope they, they will have a safe travel back home. So for those of you that are new, uh, Laurie and my mother and I, we've been partners here since about 2012. And so it's always my pleasure and privilege to uh, have an opportunity to speak with you. Today, let's talk about this word follow. I've come to understand that you can never truly understand what you never experience personally. In this follow me world, it's kind of crazy if you think about it. People follow us around. On Facebook, we invite people to follow us around on Facebook. How crazy is that? You know, years ago, if someone came to me and said, somebody is following me, that meant something different than it does (laughs) today. We follow people of similar affinity. Maybe you're in a quilting club, you follow that club. Maybe you are uh, a George Strait fan, you follow George Strait around, or the Beatles. Even the Beatles had a following, if you remember the Beatles. Sometimes you, you may follow somebody in a vehicle because you don't want to get lost, but you don't want to get too close because you might hit them, right? Sometimes we follow people because we're convicted and we believe in what they are convicted in. So we want to follow them because maybe it's a movement that we're interested in. We want to be a part of that movement. So as we talk about follow me, you know, Christ back in, uh, in the book of Luke, whenever he was walking this earth, he had just started his ministry. And in the book of Luke, chapter 5, verses 1 through 11, <clears throat> Christ had such a following because he was going around the countryside healing people, casting demons out. He was making sure that the dead could rise. I mean, these were fantastic things that Christ was doing. So he had a following naturally. One time, he had such a following over by the Sea of Galilee that they were pressing in upon him, pressing in so tight and so hard that he couldn't even get space to speak. So he saw two boats pulled up on shore, and he saw the fishermen working on shore and fixing their nets. And so he stepped into one of those boats that happened to be the boat that was owned by Simon Peter. And he said, hey, Simon Peter, come get in the boat and push out just a little bit so I can teach and talk to these people. So he did. And so Jesus sat down and taught to the people. And after he finished, he said, hey, Peter, I got an idea. Let's go fishing. Now, if you haven't heard much about Simon Peter, he was a little brash Maybe impetuous, impulsive, loud. He was a commercial fisherman. I don't know if you know any commercial fishermen, but (laughs) nothing against commercial fishermen out there. It's just who Peter was. So when, when he hears this preacher now that says, let's go fishing, Peter has to think, I've been, been fishing all night. We caught nothing. I'm tired. I've already fixed my nets. I've already cleaned my nets. 
now you want to go back out into the deep water. And he said, Master, okay, we're in the boat. Let's go on out to the deep water. So they did. If you haven't read the story, you see quickly that as he let the nets down, he caught a huge number of fish. I love the example earlier today with the kids. That's the kind of net they used. If you've not ever used one, it's just a cast net with weights on the edge. And it captures whatever fish happened to be in that specific area. So Peter goes to pull the net up and he can tell immediately this is the biggest catch he's ever had. So he calls back to his buddies. John, bring the other boat. I've got a huge catch of fish. So he's hanging on to it. And the other boat comes. And they're all hanging on to it. And the net's ripping. And the boats are creaking because that's the biggest amount of fish they've ever had in their boats. And so suddenly, or maybe gradually, you can see the look on Peter's face as he realizes this is not the master, but this is the Lord. In his boat, in his workplace, he invaded his space, taught him how to fish. What did Peter do? He bowed at the knees of Jesus right there in his boat and said, Forgive me, for I'm a sinner. Go away from me. Now, you had to know that Jesus knew the future. He had to think, Peter, we'll walk on water later. But right now, don't be afraid. From now on, I'll help you and teach you how to catch men, not fish. And think about his partners out there with such a load in their boat. Never before, fishermen out there, never before have they caught such a large amount of fish in the wrong place, in the wrong time of day, as they did that day. So as soon as they got back to shore, Josh, you said it earlier, they left everything and walked to follow Christ. Now let's look at this from a little different perspective. What were the people on shore seeing as this was happening out in the deep water? There may have been some that still wanted to follow. And maybe they jumped into the water just a little bit trying to just hear a glimpse or see a glimpse of what was happening. There may have been some that want to follow and they maybe had one foot on shore and one in the water. You ever had one foot on the boat and one on the dock? It's kind of like, I have to make a decision, don't I? You know, it's a frustrating place to be. There may be some that were like that as well. I want to follow, but I don't. The shore is too safe. I want to follow, but I don't. Some may have just stayed on shore and be content with watching whatever was happening in front of them. They were just content. Now let's see maybe what happened once Christ and all the fishermen came back to shore. So we understand that Peter left everything. Now what did he leave? He left the largest catch he'd ever had, which meant the largest paycheck he'd ever had. He left all his boats, left his livelihood, left his identity of who he even was to follow Christ. Do you think some on shore might look at that and say, Peter, what's wrong with you? Look what you're leaving. Man, you're, mo- you're successful, more successful than you've ever been to date. And you're walking away. Now what they couldn't see and what they couldn't understand. That was Peter's experience out in the boat. 
They couldn't hear the boards creaking in the boat under the heavy weight. They couldn't hear the nets ripping. They couldn't see and hear the utterance of Peter as he slowly realized who he had in his boat. This was the Christ in his boat, and he was willing to walk away and leave it. The people on shore didn't understand that. So let's fast forward three years, because what Peter was doing, he was joining the ultimate life group. <laughs> For the next three years, they were, they were hiking, they were fishing, they were camping. He had front row seats to the Sermon on the Mount, Right? Sermon on the Mount. He, he saw people raised from the dead. He saw the blind to where they could see again. He saw the lame walk. He was even on the Mount of Transfiguration where he saw Christ in a whole different way. But still Peter wasn't getting it. Remember Peter? Christ said, you will deny me three times in what, what happened. Peter did just what Jesus said he would do. He denied him three times. Even after... Three years of an intense 24-hour, seven-day-a-week life group. And so where did Christ invade their life yet again? They had gone back to what was comfortable, back to the shore. They were fishing again. That's what he did. So they were out. They'd been fishing all night, hadn't caught a thing, and they saw this figure on the shore. John said, that's the Lord. What do you think Peter did? Remember, he's impulsive. He's brash. He got dressed and he jumped in and swam and ran and walked that hundred yards or so to get to the shore to talk to Christ. But they were still all scared to ask who he was, but they knew who he was intuitively. And he said, if you'll just put your net's out on the right side, you'll catch fish. And that's exactly what they did. And, and if you've read the scripture, you'll know that they brought in 153 large fish and had a great breakfast. After breakfast, Christ talked to Peter. And he just had three questions. He said, do you love me? Do you love me? Of course, Peter said, Lord, you know I do. He said, then feed my lambs. He said, do you love me again? Peter said, Lord, you know I do. Then take care of my sheep. And finally he said again a third time, Peter, do you love me? Are you even my friend? He said, Lord, you know I do. And he said, feed my sheep. So, what is it about Christ that can take a man that he's lived with for three years that failed him but yet still come back and restore him into service? It's the same thing with us. He knows our hearts. He knows our lives. He knows the extent and what our potential is. And he's willing to come alongside us and help us through the times we fail. And that's what he's asking us today. Do you love me? If you do, lose the safety of shore. Get into the water with me. The waters of eternal life. The waters of abundant life. And he says again, do you love me? Get out of that shallow water. You've been in ankle deep, waist deep water too long. Come on. 
Come to the deep water. Come with me. I'll put people beside you that are transforming. And their lives are transforming and maturing. And they will help show you how to love me and love others profoundly. And he said, I'll even tell you how you can start to be a reflection of me as you leave the kingdom of self on the shore and start representing the kingdom of God in your life and the way you talk with people and the way you deal with conflict and the way you extend grace and mercy to others and the way that you change your agenda from your personal agenda to a kingdom agenda. And in, in fact, think about Peter. He had to remember the time. Christ said, if you're going to follow me, you must deny yourself. That's a hard thing to do. Deny kingdom of self. Then he further said, you must take up your cross and follow me. Now think of Peter. Think of any of us. If we go home and say, honey, guess what? There's a call on my life and I'm going to leave my job. The biggest paycheck ever. And my identity and follow Christ. Because that's what he's calling me to do. As we talk about discipleship in in this church, Rockbridge, think about those that are exploring. We've talked about being on the porch. Those that make that decision to be justified, to be cleansed of sin, to step over the threshold. It's the same thing here. If you're on the shore, Christ says, come on in. The water is fine. Step off the shore. Get into the water. Get into the deep water. I can show you through others as they can share with you about how you can learn the means of grace, about how you can understand and start, start practicing spiritual disciplines, even to the point that I may even help you understand what spiritual gifts you have that might help you love others better, that might help you learn more about yourself and why you're here to help build the kingdom of God. And it might even help you learn to launch new ministries that have yet to begin here at Rockbridge. So as we wrap up, we're, we're going to be starting meetings with life group leaders and any who are interested in leading life groups here in the near future. And I have questions about the way that we're going to be going forward. And it's going to be uh, dynamic and adventurous And I encourage you to get into the deep water. Come into deep water ministry where the struggling are, where those that are lost and hurting, so we can be that net. We can be the disciples that even outside the walls of these church can bring them in and show them the love of God. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen.